This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 580 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by ProStride, Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Surefoot Equine Stability Program. On tonight's show, we will chat about ProStride with Owl Manor CEO, Mark Schindel. We also have a great chat with Katie Kraska from the ASPCA about some great initiatives from that organization. After that, regular Wendy Murdoch will join us before Reese and I do a trainer tip. Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. <laughs> Hi, Reese. And we should get right away. We have exciting news about a new title sponsor. We da, do. Da, da, da. Da, 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 da. We are so excited and happy to have Mark Schindel from Owl Manor. He is the CEO, and he's coming on here later in the show, and it should be really fun to, to hear from him. Awesome, awesome. So we should do a quick chat about what's going on with you this week and what's going on with me this week. Yeah, we've just been training away. <laughs> just training lie. horses, yeah. Just we're training, training horses. Up. Yeah, we're, we're training horses. I've got to say, I've been watching Facebook and seeing our friends at Festival of Champions in Chicago all doing great. So it's been really fun to keep in touch with them. I, I haven't had a chance. I've actually been a bit busy this week. A lot of lessons going on, uh, which is great. And so we're going to get a full rundown from, from everybody uh, at Lamplight when we do our show. We'll have next week off, it, but the week after we'll give a full update on what happened. Yeah, the, the first week of September, we're going to we're gonna grab some competitors We'll see, yeah. and we'll see, you know, after all is said and done and everybody goes back home, they're they're a little happier to talk to us at that point. Yeah, not, right now they're not really while good. they're mid-competition. They don't want <laughs> to do a podcast. Exactly. But it sounds like it's going well up there. So that's great. And I've been inspired. I've been, I've been riding away and, and we have actually our local championship. Everybody's entering tonight, which is really fun. Um, so that's at the horse park in a couple weeks. So that that's good. You know, it's again, that's a little bit of incentive to like, oh, I really need to kind of practice some tests and, and keep moving forward with that. So that's been fun. And other than that, oh, so I, I think a lot of you guys know, but I teach a class at the University of Kentucky and it's called Global Sport Horse Industry. And I will say I did my first Zoom class, Phil, which is big for me. <laughs> We're working, working on getting techie. Uh, well, I'm not going to lie. My husband was on, I had him on retainer for the hour and a half I was on. I had a little trouble with the, he had my cute tech guy, as I call it. I was like, uh, help. So he came in a few times and had to rescue me. But in general, I did pretty well. And um, so, it, you know, I've been working really hard to get that up. And, and, you know, again, it's, we all know right now things are not the greatest. So I think a, a lot of teachers are, are really trying to get everything ready and make it a really good experience. So first class went well, super fun to see all the students back and we'll, uh, from their living rooms or wherever they were. And so that's, that's kind of what, what I've been up to this week. So how about you? How's training? Uh, we're just training away. Um, the weather has just been beautiful and you know, we're having a good time. Good, good. And, yeah. and 
tell everybody when is your your quotation competition coming up? Actually, I forget. Uh, not next week. The week after. Yeah. That's and tell everybody what you're doing. Really cool. Yeah. Well, we just we just invited a judge to come over, and we're gonna we're gonna get dressed up in our show clothes because we should have them on at least once this year, and and just to kind of do a show, you know, tidy up the horses, get their manes pulled, get them in braids, and the judge is gonna judge judge some tests. I love it. It's really a great idea. I think it's really, really, really great. So I love it. Well, we're going to get down to the show. We've got a good one to start with. And we hope you enjoy Mark Schindel. He's fantastic from Owl Manor. And we hope you enjoy. Well, tonight we are very happy to have Mark Schindel. He is the CEO of Owl Manor Medical, which is the maker of ProStride on the show. Mark, welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your company? So uh, a little about me. I have a history in biotech, life science, and the med device space, and had the opportunity to start Owl Manor about five years ago. It was 2015 uh, with some other co-founders that had a long history in the medical device space. So It's been a a unique opportunity. We had uh, some really interesting technology that we were able to bring into the market and share that. Um, Coming from the human side of the market, I have experience with the orthopedic side and and two-leg patients, and we found that there were opportunities to share the benefits of these products with four-leg patients, notably horses and dogs. So, Mark, maybe you can tell us, uh, just, just to start things out, how long has has this sort of medical device uh, technology been in use? So, the, the nature of these, these particular products, they're devices that basically will take all the beneficial properties that are naturally found in blood, that are naturally found in blood, and harness those properties for injuries such as joint um, joint injuries, osteoarthritis, soft tissue, tendon and ligament injuries. So uh, we actually have a suite or a portfolio of products that include a PRP or platelet-rich plasma device. We have our one of our flagship products, ProStride, which concentrates things at a significantly higher level and has been historically used for joint osteoarthritis. And then we also have a bone marrow aspirate concentration device. And those particular products, uh, that last one has been historically used for soft tissue, tendon, wound type injuries. So there's actually a, a long-standing history with some of the products that go back, uh, even in the human market, some 15 years. ProStride's been a fairly newer one that has come on in the last five, five to seven years. So Mark, tell us, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with ProStride. I've used it on some horses. It's been some, it's been a great option. Obviously, if someone has a question or, or something's going on with their horse and they talk with their veterinarian, what were some reasons or why would you use ProStride? So one of the key things is it's all natural. And I think as people look at trying to do better and, and do things in a more natural way for their horses, for their dogs, for that matter, uh, it's an attractive option. Also considering drug testing from a competitive level, I think it offers a a nice, nice option uh, for those types of indications I mentioned. One of the more convenient aspects for ProStride too is, is ambulatory or stall side approach. So a veterinarian can basically 
process and administer stall side within about a 20 minute period of time. So one of the key benefits is you think about trailering a horse or having to, to bring a horse into the clinic for those ambulatory practices or for their clients. It's a, a very attractive approach. And then the feedback that we've gotten um, over the last several years, and we have a, a large amount of clinical work behind these products that support, but we're seeing that they're good results. It's working. Um, it's it's providing, in some cases, uh, options where a, a horse may otherwise have, have gone out of competition and it's allowed the opportunity to to come back to competition or, if nothing else, give them a level of comfort that they may not have previously been getting with other options. So, Mark, I know that your your website um, has a, a bunch of videos that are really great in explaining the process of, you know, of the devices that you use to create the, the ProStride product. But maybe you can explain for our listeners as best you can, you know, what is it? What is the process? You know, why is it good? Mm-hmm. No, I'm happy to. So ProStride is a device in itself. And what it's doing is taking blood from the patient and there are healing properties, mechanisms in that blood, anti-inflammatory proteins, growth factors, and what ProStride does is concentrates all those good things to a significantly higher level. And if you want to think about it, the, the output of that acts as if it's an anti-inflammatory factory trying to basically address the, the bad inflammatory proteins um, by, by basically replacing or blocking some of those things, replacing it with in, anti-inflammatory proteins. Um, so there's a soup of properties that basically will help with some of those injuries, uh, like I said, joint injuries or, or soft tissue types injuries. So basically your veterinarian will come draw, draw blood from your horse, use the device, the ProStride device to concentrate all those great, you know, great things in the blood and then go ahead and re-inject that into a joint or an area that, that may be injured or, or needs, needs some of those concentrated blood factors. That's correct. Yes, that's correct. And, and the, the mechanism for that or the way that is concentrated is through a, a centrifuge. So literally the veterinarian would have a centrifuge out in the field or in their clinic, depending on where the, where this is being done. And it's a short centrifuge process. And I said within, within about a 20 minutes of processing time, uh, it's ready to be administered. Mark, so when your your veterinarian takes the sample, sometimes they get more product at the end, right? They can, and this is this is I'm not obviously a veterinarian, but uh, you can harvest some, right? So one of the things that's compared to maybe some other blood based products is we never recommend to freeze our products. It's the idea of using it while it's uh, fresh, while it's ready in a, in a relatively early stage. And the important piece of this is if, if you're going to, to process and use it, uh, use it at that point in time. Uh, so it's, we always leave the decision on how much to treat, where to treat or administer up to the veterinarian. They know the horses better than anyone. Uh, but, but the idea of, you know, you can consider multiple joints in, in the equine world, there's a wide range of joints, lower limb, there's stifles and uh, hocks and so forth as well that are common areas that 
that a veterinarian would consider for for application for this. So, um, say I have a horse, which I do, and <laughs> and I decide that he's he's having some arthritic arthritic changes. I speak to my veterinarian, and one of the common options that I know for treatment is is using steroid injections into the into the into the joint that where there's a trouble or multiple joints where there's trouble. I think Prostride is a more beneficial option versus steroids. Can you talk to us a little bit about about that? And, you know, at, at a high level, and again, I would always disclose talk to your veterinarian. Uh, but the idea with with Prostride is it's it's natural. It's it's taking basically what's in the blood with steroids, and and they can certainly have their purpose. Uh, but there's risk of long-term impacts of, of repeat usage of steroids. And and we hear situations or, I guess, success stories where even things like steroids may not have taken care of the issue, and they've found success with a product like ProStride. So I think from a natural standpoint, as opposed to a, to a, a drug consideration, it's an attractive option that uh, a lot of our veterinarians and their respective clients definitely uh, see value in. So Mark, I just have a question. This is my own question because I have an older dog. How does it work in dogs? Because I'm, I'm, you know, sitting here like, oh, my dog just walked out. And I was like, oh, she really could use some help. <laughs> so how does it work in dogs? And, and great question. And we've continued to see increased interest in, in adoption into the small animal world, notably in, in the dog canine patients. They equally have joint osteoarthritis and, and related injuries. And so these products will, will appropriately uh, work in, in the canine population, you know, from a typical areas, elbows, shoulders, hips. Um, those are common areas that we see stifles, of course. Uh, as we've been on the market for a number of years with ProStride, we actually have some clinics specifically in small animal that have been using these products going on five to five to six years now. And so the results, uh, we've got some testimonials that I would welcome and encourage people to look at on the website. And the same question you asked with your horse, we have advocates, uh, clients, owners who have horses and said, why not my dog? And, mm-hmm. and have found good success and seen results with their, uh, with their canine family members. Well, my dog is almost as big as a pony. So, you know, it, it makes sense, you know, that I, <laughs> well, I, I love it. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time tonight. This is such a cool product. And like I said, I've had really good success with it. And so how could our listeners find more information online? No, I appreciate that answer. And it's always good to hear uh, personal success stories as as you've had with, uh, with your own horse. Uh, ProStride.com, it's pro-stride, S-T-R-I-D-E.com is a website that's, that's more or less designed specifically to that product. Um, we have a number of social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. Uh, there are a lot of great videos that we've got posted on YouTube, so you can get a sense on, on uh, you know, how it works, how people have used it, where it works. And so I would encourage that. And then at the end of the day, ask your veterinarian. But it's it's been really just an incredible adventure to see the emotional connection that the clients, the owners, the riders, and, and competitors at the highest levels have have shared their experiences and and why they've they've gone to this type of product. 
and and having that you know kind of go full circle starting at the veterinarian who takes care of the horse it's been really an exciting product to be part of and and you know at the end of the day to be part of something that can help uh help an athlete out a a horse or a dog is just it's really an exciting thing to be part of Oh, it's fantastic. So one more time, what was the website? And if anybody has direct email questions, who should they direct that to? Yes. Uh, so it's pro-stride.com. And then this might get a little more <laughs> lengthy, but <laughs> the email address would be info at owlmannermedical.com. And that's O-W-L-M-A-N-O-R medical.com. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Mark. And we're excited we could share this process with everyone. Uh, We're excited to share. Thank you for uh, helping us to do so. Well, we're going to have a commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, a fantastic company uh, that we love and appreciate all of their information they give us here on the Dressage Radio Show. Vitamin E is a powerful antioxidant that supports healthy muscle and nerve function by limiting cellular damage. Green grass is the best source of vitamin E for horses, but most horses don't spend enough time grazing to meet their needs. Hay, grain, and winter pasture provide little to no natural vitamin E. To ensure your horse's vitamin E requirements are met, choose Elevate. Elevate contains a readily available source of natural vitamin E. Elevate is cost-effective and easy to feed. To learn more about Elevate, visit the Kentucky Performance Products website at kppusa.com. Well, tonight, I am so happy to have Katie Kraska. She is the Senior Manager of Federal Legislation of the ASPCA. And personally, she is a new member here at Maple Crest Farm. We are so happy to have her. And Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's so strange to have a conversation with you when you're not like face to face and on a horse. (laughs) I know it's so true. Well, Katie, tell everybody your story and how we became, we became friends because it's, it's, it's good and bad for sure. Sure. So I am uh, hopefully, hopefully mostly our relationship good. (laughs) I'm from Lexington originally, which is obviously where Reese and her beautiful farm are based. And when all of this craziness with COVID happened, I hightailed it out of DC, which is where I typically live and work, and came back to Lexington to be with family. I think that's one of the, you know, few silver linings to this whole situation is that we do get to spend more time at home with family, which is nice. And we also get to meet new fun friends like Reese and her wonderful horse Denali that I've been leasing. Yes, I know. I, you sent me an email and, and I, I don't know how much I've talked about Denali on the podcast, but Denali is a horse that I bred and he is really, really a cool horse, uh, but he had had an injury and uh, you had asked me, you know, do you have anything? And I was like, I, I do actually, and maybe he's the right horse. And I didn't know you, you, you know, you had come, you had told me and you sent me an email and I said, Hey, why don't you just come out and uh, we'll see how you ride. And you know, Denali started really with just walking. Uh, so you have spent all summer bringing him back and getting to know him. And we're getting there, aren't we? He is He is coming around. He's getting kind of spicy lately. I really <laughs> like it. <laughs> it's true. And, and hey, you no, know, I was just going to ask your background, your riding background. 
Sure. I've actually, I've written pretty much my entire life and I've tried tons of different disciplines like natural horsemanship stuff, barrel racing. I rode saddle seat for a little while. I've done eventing and now dressage. So sort of a jack of all trades. I like to learn different disciplines, but I think dressage is probably my favorite. That's why I have stuck with it. And I think one of the coolest things about dressage and it relates to some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about today is that you really develop that connection with your horse. Like you have to be in lockstep every single stride, no matter what. So like, even if you think go right, your horse should go right, which is really challenging because sometimes you're thinking go right. And you know, you don't even know that you're thinking that. And the horse is like, Hey, I'm going right. I'm doing what you're asking me to. But Denali is a really good teacher too. And he's, a really interesting case, I think, in related to some of the stuff that I do in DC and some of the programs at the ASPCA is because, like you said, he had an old injury and for a while he really wasn't fit to ride. And I think there are a lot of horses that fall into that category of at risk potentially, you know, like the owner may not be able to take care of them or they might not be able to ride them anymore. So they want to rehome them but they don't know where to turn or what to do. And so that horse could potentially fall into an at-risk situation if you didn't have such an amazing mama bear like you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I bred him. So so I, you know, I have, I have a very, you know, I, I, he had this injury. He's, he's always sort of been prone to the injury and, and he has a weaker hind leg. So I, but I, I, I made a decision long and I bred him. So he, he's with me forever. And, and I'm so lucky that, that we found a partnership for him. It works really well for you and your work schedule. And, you know, he's a a three to four day max horse. He can't, he can't really be pounded on and ridden. And, Mm -hmm. and you understood that and you were able to, to, you know, we, we've worked together and you've done a lot of research and, and, that, that, which has been very helpful for him and for you. And and at the end of this, we hope you have a fantastic horse, yeah. but it's true. So, so tell us, you know, tell us what you, first of all, what is the ASPCA and, and what is your role there? That's a great question. So I take for granted that everyone knows what the ASPCA is in the circles <laughs> that I run in, but it's, um, it's an acronym for the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. So we are actually the oldest animal welfare organization in North America. We were founded in 1866 and have a very long history with um, promoting equine welfare. So our founder actually um, was inspired to create the organization when he saw how carriage horses were being treated in New York City back when you know, they were one of the primary modes of transportation. So we've really redoubled our efforts in the equine welfare space. So I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, but I can tell you a little bit about what I do in DC first. So I am the federal lobbyist that handles equine issues for the ASPCA. So I work with federal agencies and with Congress in DC. Sometimes it's state and local level, but mostly federal to promote equine welfare initiatives to make sure that Congress members are thinking about equine welfare when they're making really important decisions. And we've seen a lot of legislation come out of this COVID situation. Of course, there are a lot of priorities that affect horses um, in those big packages. So it's my job to make sure that lawmakers are thinking about equine welfare and sort of like the health of the broader equine industry um, when they're making those decisions. 
Um, so that's the lobbying side. But then, you know, I also have an equine background and the ASPCA has sort of redoubled its efforts recently and acquired the Right Horse Initiative in 2019. It was established in 2016. And this program really has a singular goal, and that is to remain laser focused on massively increasing the number of adoptions of equines in the United States. So right now, when you think about getting a new horse, a lot of folks wouldn't think to rescue a horse. You know, I think there's some stigma around rescuing a horse. They think that the horse has health issues or behavioral issues, or there's something wrong with it. But if you think about a dog or a cat, you know, no one would question getting a dog or a cat from a rescue or a shelter. You know, it's just like every other dog or a cat. They just fell into sort of a hard situation. And that's the same thing with horses. So that's the, that's really the message that we want to send home is that horses that are in rescues can go on to do really amazing things. There's no difference between a horse that's in a rescue and not in a rescue. It's just that they are in an at-risk situation um, and someone had to step in for an intervention. Wow. Yeah. So tell us, you know, you've got some great success stories in dressage focus, because obviously that's what we do. So tell us some of the horses that you have heard that have come through these situations. Sure. So the right horse as an entity functions through about 70 partner organizations. So some of those are industry partners, some of those are adoption partners. So I've gotten a lot of these stories through them. So they're rescues from across the country that help to rehome horses. So one example is from Day's End Farm, which is in Maryland. And there was this really like, it's a, it's a pretty sad story if you think about the beginnings of it, but it's amazing how it ended. Um, there was a two stallions that were boarded shut in this barn, um, and luckily the authorities found them, and Dazen was able to take them. And this woman came with her dressage trainer, found this horse, fell in love, and they have gone on to do really amazing things. They qualified for the USDF Masters Challenge Award in the very first year of training. So this horse is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous, too. I mean, if you look up pictures of him, it's amazing. There's another example of um, a breed that is near and dear to my heart because I used to own a saddlebred, um, but the right horse provided a training grant to a trainer who was working with the American Saddlebred Legacy Foundation, and they brought this trainer and this horse together, and they went on to show at Devon, and I think they got third place overall in their category, which is really amazing. Um, and I think it was the first time that a saddlebred had shown in this one particular type of class. So these horses can do really, really amazing things. There's, like I said, there's no difference between a horse that's in a rescue and a horse that's not in a rescue. The only difference is that they're in a rescue, <laughs> you know? So that's why we are promoting um, so heavily that horses in transition need, you know, need to find good homes quickly. And that's also beneficial to the rescues because, every horse that is in a rescue is taking up a spot for a horse that could move into that rescue. So the more horses that we get adopted out, the more horses we can help on the tail end. So uh, I wondered if you could tell us more about this program or where people can find information about, uh, because it sounds like it's a really a, a great worthwhile um, endeavor and I'm sure people want to know more about it. So, so give us the info. Absolutely. So there's, there are some really great ways to get involved. First and foremost, fostering and adoption are the, the best ways to help horses in these situations. Um, so adoption is exactly what it sounds like. 
Fostering is something that we've been promoting uh, more recently, especially as equine rescues and shelters face new challenges as a result of COVID-19. And these rescues have done a really tremendous job of adapting to these unique (laughs) circumstances that we're in right now. But the ASPCA and the Right Horse have launched a campaign to promote foster and adoption within one week of launching this. Traffic to the website, myrighthorse.org, increased by 324%. So anyone who's interested in this should visit myrighthorse.org. There are a ton of horses on there that are all adoptable from across the country. So it doesn't matter what geographic region you're in. Go to myrighthorse.org, look it up. You can foster or adopt all of the horses that are on there. And that will also direct you to sort of the overall landing page that tells you a little bit about how to get more involved if you want to be an industry partner or get more involved if you want to be an adoption rehoming partner. Fantastic. Yeah, um, I, I don't know whether I should tell my wife about... Yeah, I was just going to say... This. <laughs> just, uh, this, uh, it's a bit of a quandary. I want to help horses, but she's been really good at online shopping lately. And I don't want to end up with more horses at the moment. <laughs> now, but it, I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome that to, to, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish the show here and go and check it out because it, it sounds like you know just a really a, a great program. And well, like you said, you they're, just because they're to... adoptable doesn't mean that they're useless or or damaged or you know any of these things that like you said with the with the stigma behind uh, adopted horses, it's. Uh, that's something that that's something that you have to you have to kind of challenge people to say that that's not the case. Exactly, and there's I mean I can think of a ton of examples, but one horse that I think went to the Olympics, uh, Molokai, was an off the track yeah. thoroughbred um, that turned into like an incredible you know premier eventing horse. Obviously, went to the Olympics. Yeah, so the, in the, in the world championships, show, I think. And yeah, I think he went to the yeah. World Championships. It's a really amazing horse, r- ridden by Dorothy uh, Kroll. Really, really cool. Yep. She's here in Kentucky. It's a Kentucky horse. So, <laughs> really cool. Yeah. It's, I love yeah, it. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. But, you know, if, even if you're not looking for a horse necessarily, there are also a variety of equines on that website. So, your wife might be able to find a way around your rules. <laughs> there's, um, there's some donkeys yeah. and some mules oh, and some really cute mini horses. So. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show. And if our listeners have any questions, how can they find more information online and or a person like yourself to email or chat? talk with? Of course. So there's two ways, there's two places I would direct folks. One is to myrighthorse.org. That is sort of the landing page for the Right Horse Initiative. It has a ton of information and there's a contact there so you can reach out there. Or for folks who are interested in volunteering um, as an advocate, we really need folks to reach out to their lawmakers all the time. Um, That's really how government runs, you know, like we put people in power by electing them and they need to hear what our priorities are. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. So if folks are not hearing about equine welfare, then they're not paying attention to equine welfare. So we really need folks to get involved and say, hey, I care about equine protection and I want to see it furthered at the federal level. So um, if that sounds interesting to you, visit 
ASPCA.org slash hat. Um, it stands for Horse Action Team. So that's a dedicated group of advocates specific to equine issues. So you don't have to have any prior knowledge of horses or you can be, you know, a top horse trainer um, and everything in between. But anyone who is interested in advocating for the welfare of equines, please reach out. It's ASPCA.org slash hat. Fantastic. Well, Katie, thank you so much. And I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> see you tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. It's nice to chat with you all. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed our interview with Katie. I think uh, this is such an important topic for us all horse horse people and enthusiasts around the world. And I hope that that gives some information, huh, Phil? Yeah, I mean, it's nice to to think about in all of these difficult times that, you know, ways that we can help people, but also help horses, help animals, you know, and it's just great work that the uh, ASPCA does in our own in our own country in Canada we have similar organizations and and all around the world you know let's uh, let's look at ways that we can we can help our animal friends absolutely so i hope everybody enjoyed katie and she's a great resource if you need her and we're going to come back actually now with wendy murdoch who has some other ways to help our equine friends well tonight we are so happy to back by popular demand <laughs> And also, she's a fantastic guest we love every month. Wendy Murdoch, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me again. It's great to be with you guys. We always love it. And actually, you are doing some great webinars. And I was yes. a guest. And you were one of my guests. And I just <laughs> loved turning the tables on you. It was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Tell everybody what you're doing because it was really cool. Okay, so since the pandemic started, I've been doing webinars. I was doing them five days a week, and now it's four to five days a week, believe it or not. And I'm coming up on my 100th webinar in, like, I think it's like five more or something. And I yeah. am hoping to have Linda Tellington-Jones for my 100th webinar guest. Fabulous. So I'm really excited because I've known Linda since 1985, and she changed my life. So um, literally, because I was a scientist at UK, got to get my doctoral degree in equine biomechanics. And I met Linda and wound up, you know, leaving the, the, the halls of UK to go and do applied biomechanics, working with riders every day. So she was really instrumental in my life. And so I'm so excited to have her as my hundredth guest, um, which I, I'll be. So, you know, if people are trying to find my webinars and that's the number one question is how can I watch the webinars after they've been recorded? And you can go to my Surefoot Equine YouTube channel and find them there. And you can also go to the surefootequine.com website and under webinars, under media, you can find all of the webinars. And um, today I had Dr. Hillary Clayton as my guest and we talked about bits and bidding and it was fabulous. It was almost two hours with Dr. Clayton. It was great. She's my favorite. She is, <laughs> I adore Dr. Clayton and, and I get to, uh, in Florida, we are in the same neighborhood. So we get to go, we, we actually at least twice, well, once every other week we go on a hack together and, She's oh, just my favorite awesome. person. She's yeah. so cool. And She's she so generally cool. loves her horses and loves to talk. I mean, we literally do a 45-minute loop, and I swear it's 10 seconds. And I'm like, yeah. we're already back? We're done? Okay, I can't <laughs> wait for next time. So I cannot wait to watch that because she's fascinating. and She, she is. So cool. And she gets I to put it. science behind things. Like, so we were talking about bridles and how important bridle fit is and how, you know, the pressure points on the nose and on the jaw with, 
like some bridles now are putting a little bit of padding over the nose and it takes the pressure off the corners of the bone. So it alleviates pressure points. And we all know that pressure points cause problems. So just think of your shoe being a little bit tight when you're hiking or something and it causes a rub, which I did to my foot the other day. Mm. And it's really irritating. So, you know, the more we can eliminate those pressure points, the less the horse is going to be annoyed by that and focusing on something other than what we're asking him to do. So it's just super. And, you know, the most fascinating thing on that part was she was talking about um, bridles. And then she talked about bitless bridles, the kind that cross over underneath the chin. And they mm-hmm. had much higher pressures on the horse's face than the than a bridle, uh, you know, with a noseband. Um, ever would. And so, you know, so many people think that going bitless is kinder to their horses, but it really depends on what kind of head gear you're using to go bitless. And mm-hmm. like a bitless bridle with the cross underneath the chin is not necessarily better. Right. Um, I always tell people to use a side pull so that they're, that's just uh, like a no, um, like a nose band, but then the rings are on the side and it's fairly loose. So you don't have that increased pressure from the crossover. But that was one of the most fascinating things I found about her webinar was like she had data and she could show you the data and it was like, just astonishing so um yeah and you can go and watch that on my surefoot equine youtube channel i think, once I I think i'm gonna do that i think that i'm gonna do that right away yeah, yeah the, it's it's really cool because you know we 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 can all get into the emotional arguments about nose bands but when you have real data and see what's going on then you can make an educated decision as opposed to an emotional decision which you know in the end making a conscious you know objective decision about your equipment is so important as opposed to you know my trainer told me i should or this is what everybody's doing or it's really pretty because it has bling well and 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 i think we could we could talk about this forever because equipment Mm -hmm. you know a lot of trainers you know we have a bitmox and we have this bridle and we use this type of bridle and one of the things that you're really learning or we are all learning now is is There really is science behind bits, and there's a reason you use each bit. There's a reason why the horses like what they like and, you know, the size, the shape, how their mouth is configured. It it all plays a huge role. And I'm telling you, when and and there are a lot of bit fitters and bridle fitters out there, and when you have that fitting for your horse – the change in the horse is fascinating. And yeah. they really, if you're listening, they will tell you what they like and what they don't like. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, 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 you know, yeah. I, th- I think it's fascinating. And I would say the same thing also with your Surefoot equine pads, because yeah. the hor- that's one of the things that when you learn and you use the pads, you have to learn to read your horse. Yes. And... Yeah. And Dr. Clayton was one of the first people because I've I've known her since 1992, and um she and I started Surefoot in 2012. So she was one of the first people I contacted about Surefoot. And we actually went to MSU and did put a horse on the force plates with the pads. Um, long story short, that data has never been analyzed. But but you know Hillary instantly saw what was going on and was fascinated by it. She's been a huge supporter and she's talked about it in her in her conditioning talks and different lectures that she's done. She's talked about Surefoot because it's so important to bring in that proprioception and to improve it and to make sure your horse is balanced and find different ways of of addressing something in a curious way as opposed to a punitive way so that the horses figure it out and then own it. Right. I mean, it's one mm-hmm. thing if you're constantly having to tell them to be more balanced. It's another thing when they feel their own body and go, whoa, I can be more balanced. It feels so good. Right. And that's really that was uh, she's been a huge supporter for for a long time since the beginning, practically. 
Oh, that's fantastic. So I actually have a question for the shirt foot pads. It has come up actually a lot in, in what friends have asked me and I wanted, because we're talking about it. When you order, you know, or, or get the shirt foot pads, there's different densities of mm-hmm. the pads. How does one decide which one to use? It's and a I know great that sounds, question. Yeah, it sounds no, a basic it's a great question, question, but it's, it's a the big number deal. one question that people ask me. And I've tr- I've tried so many different ways to find how to help people in that in that question. Okay, and I've been working on a decision tree on my website. I'm really hoping that'll be up there soon. But here's here's the simple way to think about it. If you're starting a new exercise program, you don't start on the most demanding one. You start on the easy one and kind of figure it out, and then you gradually move to increasing challenge. So in the same way with the surefoot pads, especially if you have a horse that's weak or been injured or is in recovery or has had health issues or is nervous or anxious, right? Anything that's that the horse is unsettled or say it's bothered by loud sounds or it doesn't like different footing, then you would start with either the physio pad, which is the thinnest one, and we designed it for farriers originally, but I use that, like if I have a horse that I think might be a little nervous, I'm going to start with that one just to make sure that everything's okay because it's the lowest profile. It's an inch and a half. But the otherwise, I would tell people you start with hard and physiopad has an inch of hard, which is why I, you know, I like it for the start or the hard pads, which is the two inch pads. And the reason being the hard will give to heat and pressure, but it doesn't have any lateral give. So think about if you step on something and it's going to give to the heat and pressure of your foot directly, right? And what you watch with the horses is they melt that because it starts out firmer and then with the heat and pressure, it starts to give. And you, I literally love this pad because I watch the horses, their eyes start to soften and their head starts to drop, but it's a gradual softening. And so with your with your nervous horses, you don't want anything that's going to give too quickly and scare them. And that's so that's why you would probably pick hard. And then I tell people, if your horse is basically calm, like he's a steady eddy, he's not disturbed by much, you know, you have some training issues, he's going through the shoulder or he's having trouble with the canter part, but more of a training issue than a, a behavior issue and then like, a, you know, a nervous, anxious thing. Then you can start with the green. So calm horses, you can start with green, which is firm. It's going to have lateral give and, and anxious, nervous or any kind of condition. Other than that, you'd start with hard. And of course, if there's any kind of injury, you always ask your vet if this is appropriate. So if, say, a horse has a tendon injury and you want to use sure foot in the recovery, you've got to make sure that tendon is ready. So it's really important to consult with your vet and your farrier. Yeah, that, that's a that's mm-hmm. a great point because you don't want to in, inadvertently. I mean, we all want to help our horses, but we don't want to inadvertently maybe cause or aggravate work. a program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's you know, if there's any kind of health issue or anything, we always say to people, have you talked to your vet or your team? If you know, maybe it's a shoeing issue or a foot issue or something like that. It's just really important to to let them know and ask them because it may be appropriate in a month, but it might be totally inappropriate at this moment. Mm-hmm. And so if it is an injury, say you have a horse with a tendon problem, what I tell people is the other three legs are taking more strain. So you don't have to do the leg that's injured. Do the other legs and give the horse some relief from the load that it's taking because it's got one leg that it can't put load on. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, because we want to keep the the little tiny postural muscles working. And that's one of the things Surefoot does. It does so many things. And this is why it's kind of difficult to describe or to even research, which we have some people looking into research. But it does so many things. And so one of the things that it does is it's going to give. And so it's going to cause the horse to sway a little bit. And they start to work the little tiny postural muscles. And that's mm. going to improve their overall tone and strength, right? The little po- unsung heroes, the postural muscles, are the ones that are so important to our stability. So it's mm. going to work the little postural muscles, but it's also going to affect the fascia. And so some of these webinars, I've, I, that's why I keep doing them, because I keep trying to gather information that's going to help me understand all the ways that Surefoot is helping a horse. And so it's it works the little tiny muscles. Sometimes they sway bigger. It's going to work some of the bigger muscles. Um, it's going to affect the fascia. There's It's affecting blood flow through the foot. It's affecting load through the foot. And, and now we're really starting to understand the whole vagal nerve connection because the vagal nerve has a ventral part and a dorsal part. So vagal nerve is the biggest nerve in your body and horses have it too. It's the biggest nerve. It's, if you want to think about your gut brain, that's vagus. Like the, uh-oh, you know, you walk into a situation and go, uh-oh, this isn't good. I got to get out of here, right? That's vagus giving you an alarm. And so vagus primary question is, am I safe, right? And what is a horse always wanting to know? Am I safe? And so this is a super important thing is that for for reasons that we're starting to understand now in terms of looking at the where the vagus nerve goes and how it travels up through into the head area and and actually along with trigeminal nerve which is the one that's coming down into the face those two are running really close together up in the facial area and there's a part that goes down into the leg so as the horse is standing on pads it's activating the calming side, the parasympathetic side, the rest and digest side of vagus. It's saying, hey, you're okay. And we don't totally understand how or why it's activating that. I don't know that we'll ever totally understand that, but it's so obvious because when the horses are on the pads, as you've seen, their eyes close, they soften, they take a deep breath, they lick and chew, their neck lowers. So all the signs of contentment, of peacefulness of tranquility and even in some cases horses may look tranquilized because they're so chill um, mm-hmm. but this is all internal chemicals right dopamine acetylcholine right. serotonin and it's being released because the horse is standing on a pad and you know this is the part that's so mind-blowing is that these effects that we see while they're on the pad can last long after they come off the pads in fact, I've seen horses from one session totally change and never look back. Now, that doesn't mean you can't benefit from being on the pads more frequently. In fact, Felicitas von neumann Cosell uses the pads every single day with her training horses. I mean, every day, because it's going to help balance. It's going to help proprioception. It's going to help relaxation. It's going to help healing. It's going to help all of these things. And that's what's so incredible because, you know, it's it's so hard to wrap your head around it sometimes like you know i'm still amazed when i watch a horse for the first time stand on a pad and just totally soften you know go from from fight and flight from neck up and kind of eyes wild and you know tense into deep breathing and neck down and then they feel safe and the weird you know this is the other weird thing they recognize i brought them the pads and so they feel safe with me and then they follow me around and they're like can you do that again can you put my foot back on the pad? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, 
because they feel safe. And it's because I've asked them. And that's really an important thing with Surefoot. It's a request. Would you like to stand on this pad? It's an offer. And the horses have permission to refuse. And some of them do. Not every horse is going to like Surefoot. And, you know, who likes, who do you know that, you know, everybody likes everything, right? Maybe ice cream. Um, nope. Yeah. There are not just intolerant <laughs> people, right? So, <laughs> um, I love it. You know, but the majority of horses really do. The, the thing that's so hard for people to understand, though, is that it, you don't have to have the horse on the pads for very long. My first experiment was literally 15 seconds. I timed it, and it blew my mind. This horse was what appeared to be lame, and he walked off sound in 15 seconds. And so, you know, what I find sometimes with people in the beginning is they get enthusiastic, and the horse is really enjoying the pads, and you see all the relaxation. And so they leave them there for a few minutes. And really, mm-hmm. in the beginning, you want to keep your sessions super short because I've seen horses in, you know, like maybe they're on the pads for a total of, of a couple of minutes, like just, you know, on for 30 seconds, go for a walk, come back. And the go for a walk is just to integrate the piece of information. But you can make them really sore because they're using different muscles. And so if you like I had a really good friend the other day and she started out and she listened to me in the first session. She did just a little bit. And her horse really liked it. And then the next time she was like, well, let's try diagonal pair. Let's try this. Let's try that. And she overdid it. And the next mm-hmm. day the horse was like looking at her like, I'm sore and I don't want to talk to you. Right. And right. so, yeah. you know, we have to be the good parent and go, even though you're enjoying the pool, you're going to wind up wrinkly if you stay yeah. in too long. Right? <laughs> you got to get out of the pool. Well, no, it's true. And and I think, you you know, again, it, it, it's right. It's like the first day at the gym where you're like, yeah, baby. Yeah. And then you're like going like crazy. And then you're like, oh, my God, I can't go back to the gym. So it it makes total sense. So, Wendy, we all want to be good parents. But where can we find some more information about Surefoot? Because I know you have all this on your website. Right. So, so if you want to purchase pads, you go to murdochmethod.com backslash shop and all the pads are there. And if you just want more information, go to the surefootequine.com website because we built that website. We're actually going to have it in multiple languages, French, German, Spanish, Dutch, and maybe even Danish because there's so many people around the world that are curious. So we've built that site to be informational and you can find international resellers just by going to the reseller tab. Okay. And then on my YouTube channel, my Surefoot Equine YouTube channel, not only do I have a whole bunch of educational videos and the quick start guide, but then I have all these webinars, which, you know, I'm in, I'm like number 92 and, and they're, fantastic information. There's Martina Neardhardt talking about fashion. We have the Equisoma people with the bones and Dr. Clayton and Bob Belkert. And so, you know, like I'm trying to gather all this information to help me understand how Surefoot works. But each of the webinars in themselves are just a wealth of information from my guests who are so generous with their time. So the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel, if you subscribe, you'll get a notice every time we put up another video. And Oh, I and, love it. Yeah. Well, Wendy, Thank you so much for coming on. We love, love, love chatting with you. And we can't wait for next month. Always so much fun. Yeah. And so, Philip, maybe one of these days we'll we'll have a webinar, webinar with you. So who knows? I don't know. I, know. I, I feel like you have all these amazing people, you know, including <laughs> Reese. I'm a little intimidated yeah. by that. Yeah. Hey, Glenn, <laughs> on our radio show, I just get to make comments. It was so fun. And, yeah, yeah, it was really um, It's super cash. You know, it's like chatting with your neighbor. <laughs> awesome.
<laughs> Thanks, uh, Wendy. You're thanks. the best. Yeah, we'll yeah talk to you I'm glad you got it worked out. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Well, Phil, I'm not going to lie. I ordered my second pair this week of Stability Stirrup Leathers from Total Saddle Fit because I love <laughs> them that much. <laughs> uh, they are pretty awesome. I was just thinking today, you know, it's still kind of warm here, up here in the north in Canada. That I'm pretty appreciative of the the antimicrobial liners that come with the Total Saddle Fit Stretch Tech Shoulder Relief Girths. So that, I was hosing one off today. I'm like, oh, I got I to gotta make <laughs> I sure I mention that because... Uh, we don't have that many days or months of, of super warm weather here where the horses are sweating through their curse, but today was one of them, and, and I thank Justin for coming up with that great liner product. I think just the idea of changing, you know, the, the liners on girths is just fantastic, you know. Yeah, it, it, wash them. It, it is it yeah. is great, and as you can hear, Philip and I use the Total Saddle Fit products Every day, all day long. Like I said, I have a stirrup leather problem because I love them so much. And I had a saddle where I was like, why have I not updated my stirrup leathers? So I'm like on the website doing it literally from the arena. So it, it's just, it, they're fantastic products. We really can't thank them enough for what they do for us, but really, really great products. So uh, check out totalsaddlefit.com and you can, you can get all the information from from them. And Justin is from Total Saddle Fit and he's also always great to talk to. So we hope you enjoy our tip of the week and check out all the Total Saddle Fit products. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief curve at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, for our total saddle fit tip of the week, I have had this come up twice this week, and I am not sure we've ever talked about this, but (laughs) two riders this week have talked about the fact that they do not want to carry their whip in the opposite hand than they normally carry it in. So Phil, I'm going to let you talk about this because it's, yeah, it's, it's a super yeah. pet peeve. It's, it's a pet a peeve of mine too. Super pet peeve. <laughs> when somebody says that to me, I just want to leave the arena. <laughs> I know there's some I'm level like of how, that. Like, sorry, I mean it's kind of making a joke, but it's just like, how do you expect your horse to be bilaterally supple and strong and balanced if the rider is not making the attempt to do the same thing themselves? Exactly. Preach, <laughs> preach it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, yes, it's uncomfortable. You think your horse is comfortable going left and right? You think, no. Don't you think they would just want to go around whatever their preferred way is the whole time? So, we, you know, we talk about training the horse. Well, this is training the rider. Getting good at being equal-handed. That's just, you know, as strong as co- and coordinated as you can be on, with both hands, with both legs with both hips, with both shoulders, with, with both sides of your body and, and carrying the whip on the off hand is a struggle. It might be a struggle for months. It, it doesn't matter. You do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's right? true. I mean, you do yep. it and you figure it out and eventually you get, <laughs> you get good at it or, or at least not as bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think 
no horse or no rider is expected to be absolutely perfect and absolute. I mean, we do our very, very best all the time. And part of doing our very, very best all the time, even, even if we will never reach perfection, I know I won't. And, you know, and you give it, you give it a try. And, you know, one of the tips, uh, I'm sure we've discussed this before, but one of the tips of getting better with both hands, both legs and whatever is do all the other things in your life the other handed. So the other if hand. You, if you like to type on your cell phone with your right finger, try the other one. Yep. It's awkward. It's funny. brushing your teeth. Brushing, brushing your, your teeth. teeth. I try to do that. That's really hard, actually. <laughs> it's really hard. Brushing your horse. Yes, that's a big one. Hand. Make mm-hmm. yourself do it. It it is weird and awkward, but um, you can get better. Picking the horse's feet, like everything. Everything, you, you know, from from opening a car door or unlocking your your house with your keys, just use the other hand. You'll get better at it, right? And, it's, and with the whip, you, I mean, I think part of the problem is that, you know, the rider has developed uh, a pretty good uh, use of the whip on the one hand, and, you know, in the one hand. They're like, oh, I, I'm, you know, they've already allowed themselves to get really proficient at it on one side, that when they do the other side, it is that much that much more sorry not that's not the right english way to say it but um <laughs> it's it's just harder it's it's more awkward it's way more awkward mm-hmm. but if you think about when you uh started riding using it in your good hand was a bit awkward as well and so you know that that was the time to to start using both hands well if right. you you know if you're a couple a few years or 10 years or 20 years down the line yeah, you're you're not gonna want to use it in your offhand because it's it's not good at what it's supposed to be doing, and and you get frustrated, and you're like, ah, uh, you know, but the 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 time to start is now. Well, and I think too, to horses, start. horses also, you know, they they are not as comfortable. If you switch it, let's say, because I'm very right-handed, and and I will be honest, I had an injury, uh, I broke my wrist when I was like uh, ten, so my left wrist is not as pliable as my right. It's just is what it is from that injury when I was a kid. So I have to be careful. You know, I really have to train it every day, every horse I make myself switch it. And, you know, at first you may switch it and your horse may get a little bit nervous. They may say, Ooh, you know, Whoa, Whoa, why is that in your left hand? And, and horses may also be nervous sometimes with the whip. And I, I tell my students, that is not going to get better if you don't address it and you don't even have to touch them with the whip, but you may have to carry the whip or you may have to go to a shorter whip. That happens too. Like maybe you don't need or can't at the moment, can't use such a long whip, go to a little shorter one. That's fine, but you got to get used to holding it and you got to be used to holding it in your other side. And cause it's amazing. Once you start switching the the whip over and you have access because the whips was really an extension of your aids. And so when you switch it to the other side, you know, at some point you're going to need that aid. You may not need it right now, but at some point down the line, six months or a year, whenever you'll need it. And if you have to then go through this process along with needing it for whatever you need it for, then you get into trouble. So I'm with you. You have to do it. You have to do it every day if you like it or not. Dude, her, her, her literal <laughs> response was, yeah, it's tough love. She was like, but I broke my left wrist and I can't. I was like, yeah, you want to see my pin mark? Me too. Switch your whip. 
<laughs> I'm with you. I, it's a pet peeve. I don't care. So it is, it is something. Yeah, it is something. I, I also, I can, I can sympathize. I, I have to work on it. My, my wrist now, you know, I do it every day, but if, you know, my choice is to carry it in the right, but I make myself carry it left. So uh, tough love from Phil and I there. So we hope you, we gave you a good total saddle fit trader tip of the week. Switch your whips. <laughs> Well, Phil, we have been reading and talking about our book club book of the month uh, or, or book book club right now, which is Brain Training for Riders by Andrea Waldo. You and I both, this is a fantastic book. I think it, we have the audio version. We're both listening to it. Um, it's great. And, and we really want to encourage everyone to get started listening to it. We're going to have the auditor on in a couple weeks when we do our show next month. So get it, I, listen to I, it. I can't, I can't wait to talk about this book. I'm just, yeah, it's, it's got so much great stuff. Even if you're a non-competitive writer or dressage is just a bit of an interest. I mean, this, this is, there's a lot of great advice here that is sort of helps me in my day to day, you know, Brain, this should be like brain training for everything, not just riders, but it's got to focus on some typical riding issues. So uh, I've really been enjoying it, and uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I pr- would prefer the print version. I'm, I'm an avid reader, but yeah, uh, we we went for a little we bit went different, for different doing an audio yeah. book. Uh, this is this. I have listened to another audio book before this one, but this would be sort of my first serious audio book. But uh, it's been great. And yeah, I yeah, wanna... we both want to get the print version, though, because it's it's been so good and we've talked about it and we want to make sure that our our both, you know, we can use it in our daily life. And also yeah, we can reference students. it for our students yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, I've I really... agree. Yeah. So that's the audio great. version is great too. Cause I listen, I actually listen to when, when I do night check, uh, which is, you know, a 30 minute situation for me in the evening, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I have it on and it's kind of right before I go to bed and, and it gives me, it's been good. I, I really enjoyed it as well. So we hope everybody listens cause it's, it's great or, and, or gets the print version. We, we thumbs up so far. Thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. And Phil, we have a great email shout out. Yeah, so I, I just actually wanted to do a, a bit of a shout out to uh, Nancy Jones, who writes us some great emails, but also some other listeners that have really enjoyed Cesar Torrente's dressage talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know we got a lot of good feedback. I mean, he's he's great. He was great on our show. But these dressage talks that he's continuing to do through through the pandemic have got a lot of great reviews. Um, so you can listen to our interview with, with C- Cesar and you can figure out how to how to go onto YouTube, find his channel, and listen to the the dressage talks because they're yes. really yeah. educational and really yeah. awesome. So well, I listened to Michael Klemka. He's he's my coach and friend, and he did a fantastic job on the history of dressage. And I listened to that one yesterday. It was great. And again, I'm I'm kind of in the barn a lot by myself a little bit because it's quiet and it's kind of nice. And I listened to them and and really cool. So I also highly recommend them. They're great. So we're, we're trying to, to give everybody some fun things to listen to and do, you know, during the pandemic, uh, I'm, I'm still kind of at home and, and, and quiet. So I hope everyone is uh, enjoying the community and, and, and some of the things we're highlighting and we're thinking about you. And as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search dressage radio show. Follow us on Twitter at horse radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. 
I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back, and stay safe. And we will talk to you in a couple weeks. 